Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Lesson 13 of 21 for 21. 21 lessons about sport and media in the 21st century. I'm Stuart here in Germany. And I'm Jamie here in Barcelona. And we're joined this week by uh, a really exciting guest. He is a sports journalist. He seems to have interviewed an awful lot of very interesting people himself. And I'm sure he's going to tell us all about that and all the different people he's spoken with. Uh, It's Tom Ward, who is a sports journalist, um, specifically working in combat sports and I think a little bit of football as well, having, having snooped. Tom, thanks for joining us. Hello, hello, hello. Well, thank you for having me on, boys. I've been looking forward to this, as I said before we started recording, all damn week. And thankfully for all the viewers, they can't actually see my notes on the side of the screen. So (laughs) a little bit of a trade secret for you. Yes, I do prepare. (laughs) Well, we'll get into that later, I guess, because we invited Tom on today to talk with us about uh, the work that he does and how how he got there. Because a lot of people end up working in sport media because they've got a true passion for sport or for storytelling or both. And so I'm looking forward to hearing a bit about Tom's experience and and yeah, any advice that he's got for people that want to get into this line of work. So let's kick off then, Tom. Maybe you could tell us just a little bit about yourself and uh, where you are and, and maybe a bit of your kind of your, your normal day to day, although maybe not no two days are the same. Well, I, I guess I'll probably start off by saying thank you, boys, for having me on. I'm a massive fan of, of Jamie and all the content that he creates. So it's quite nice to, you know, <laughs> finally meet you guys virtually face to face. But yeah, no, I, I'm Tom. I work for Give Me Sports. More specifically, I'm the combat sports lead, um, boxing, MMA, sometimes a bit of karate, sometimes, you know, 30 fight MMA fights, 30 fighters, MMA fights, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I kind of had a bit of a, a strange journey into the world of journalism um i mean i went to university uh about came out about three years ago um didn't really know what i wanted to do i did history and politics and i quickly decided that i didn't want to be a history teacher or go into politics um so yeah i was a bit stumped did a couple of tv runner jobs here and there but then i I sort of decided that it was just wasn't for me it's a bit too you know ruthless and competitive so i thought oh why not try and get into the you know the equally ruthless and competitive world of journalism um i somehow stumbled across this job opening at snack which is, uh, well, Snap Media uh, is a publishing house of its own right. 
own hundreds of different websites, um, Kimmy Sport, Football Fancast, Transfer Tavern, uh, quite a few others as well. Um, and I just saw this job opening really for a football writer's job. And I thought to myself, oh, I, I kind of fancy this, you know, football writing malarkey. I'd done student newspaper and I'd done, you know, a bit of student radio. <laughs> Not very well, <laughs> as you can probably tell by this. Um, and, you know, things like that. And I've done a couple of stints at like local newspapers, but nothing, nothing too serious. And I kind of not really applied as a joke, but I didn't think I'd, I'd have the, you know, the experience or whatever to get it. I think I probably didn't set myself up right because um turns out my boss is a massive Spurs fan and I spent the entirety of the interview slagging off Jermaine Genus. Apologies, Jermaine. I love you really. Um, I'm a Chelsea fan, so that's probably why. But anyway, that's by the by. Got the job. Um, and about a week later, the pandemic hit. So I was in my office last year for about approximately eight hours, all told, um, and then spent the rest in my bedroom at home um, trying to convince my family that I did, yes, actually have a job. Um, <laughs> here we are. No, it was it, it was good. It, and it was kind of, it was a nice little adventure into the world of journalism, you know, writing news reports every day, football, like game reports, transfer updates, all that kind of thing. Um, and it kind of, I kind of quickly realized that I loved it. I, I, I managed to interview Harold Sankanu, Louis Saha, like a, a bunch of really cool footballers. Um, and that was the part that I enjoyed. I loved interviewing people. I love chatting, as you can probably tell, because that's what like a paragraph and I haven't, I haven't finished yet. Um, but I quickly realized that, you know, I, I do love talking to people. I love interviewing special guests and whatever. So I just thought, okay, let's, let's try something a bit different. I'd had this terrible, terrible, it doesn't exist anymore, so don't go looking for it, but I had this terrible MMA blog at university, just a, you know, a little WordPress thing that I'd set up. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole nother tangent, but randomly, me and my flatmates, um, we decided to watch, I think it was like some, it was either, it was Michael Bisping or something, I think it, was, it might have been Bisping's last fight, because my friend was like, oh, this British guy's fighting, um, It was, I think it was just after he lost to George St. Pierre, so it must have been the Kelvin Gaston fight. And he, well, he got knocked out. And I was being like, well, this sport isn't for me then. I mean, the Brits just lost. Like, what am I doing? Sorry, Bisping. Don't mean to throw you on the bus. Um, and yeah, I started writing all these, you know, news updates and all this kind of thing. But it wasn't, you know, I wasn't taking it too seriously. But then other people started to take notice and Cage Warriors fighters got in touch, started interviewing them. Um, I guess that kind of gave me the experience to, you know, try my hand at interviewing footballers and everything like that. But MMA and boxing is, are my my two biggest things like I will probably be up at some unearthly hour in the morning tonight watching you know some Japanese MMA card which is on at like 3 a.m in the morning that's just what I, that's just what I'm like um but yeah so MMA and boxing have always my, been, been my two things and when the gimme sport vacancy came across um I kept on badgering my boss being like if you don't get an MMA site I'm just gonna start one myself like and anyway he finally gave in um <laughs> almost strong harmed him into it no not really I, th I think he kind of we just had a few discussions here and there. Anyway, fast forward to January this year, um, joined Gimme Sports as the MMA boxing content lead, and I haven't left. So that either means that I'm doing a good job or they haven't found someone better, whichever one it is. Or maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, there's a lot I want to I want to sort of grasp. Sorry, that was so long. I no, 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 no. So it's a whole off. week of excitement, Tom. Just cook all coming together. We, that's what we like to see. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm an MMA fan and I mean, specifically Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I feel like I could take this on another tangent, but let's let's try and focus on the, the sport media side of it. I also find it quite amusing that you've apologised to two quite big names on our, our little <laughs> podcast as if they're going to be tuning in. <laughs> if you are, hey, great. Welcome. And, and, uh, and we apologise too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so so yeah there's there's absolutely loads going on there that um the first thing that stands out to me and i'm connecting this maybe with the episode that that we did uh with tom carter a few weeks back which was about how he got into to working in football social media he said he bullied the clubs and now you're here saying you're you're strong arming your boss into giving you an mma section of the website i i think there's a a secret and i think omar spoke about it as well he was kind of being persistent in in, in creating content and talking about barca there's there's sort of something that's there's maybe not really spoken about, which is that the persistency and, and insisting, uh, actually, they do pay off if you manage to get a hold of the right people. Absolutely. I think it kind of, I've always, uh, I always pride myself on networking. I think I've, I've really enjoyed, as I said, chatting to people. Um, and over the years, I mean, at university, I'd even pop into random boxing gyms and whatever and start chatting to the boxers, um, just young prospects or, or journeymen or whatever. But I kind of, not really built up a reputation, but I built up a decent network of fighters and trainers. Um, and I'd always say to my boss, like, oh, even when I was covering football, I'm chatting to Isaac Lowe, Tyson Fury's friend or whatever. Um, and I think you kind of realise that there's, you know, a whole another section to my contacts book that maybe we haven't really explored yet, um, which is probably why I gave him the chance rather than thinking, hang on a second, what am I doing here? <laughs> I hope you don't regret it now, Martin. But um, yeah, it was, I, I, I do believe you, you've got to back yourself. 100% and you, and you really do have to try and not not necessarily persuade but you've got to show someone why you can why you can do the thing that you're trying to do right like unless you've got you're, you're driven and you've got that hunger and that desire to be not necessarily the best but the best of your ability then why is anyone else going to believe you so I think a lot of it comes from like you know your own self-determination perseverance because it is a very competitive industry even more so when you're when you're working in sport media as I'm sure you guys are both well aware. So it, it very much is a case of when that door's open, not necessarily bashing it down and giving them hell for leather, but just showing them, even if you, you know, you're doing a couple of articles here and there, just, just to tide you over, showing people what you can do is so, so important. When I feel like there are two elements to journalism, which to me stand out the most. It's you're only as good as your contacts book. So if you've got a massive deep contacts list, you know, you can phone up, an agent or a manager or, or a footballer or a boxer or a fighter in my case that stands you in such good stead but you've also got to have that approachability and, and that trust you've got to build that trust with these with these names with these talents um so for me that's the thing it's it's, it's not necessarily like, you know you, i don't i don't personally believe that your degree defines you like i did history and politics i'm now working in journalism I, I wouldn't say my writing style is boring, <laughs> but I don't have that, you know, traditional journalism background. But equally, I don't think that's something that should, like, you know, deter people from wanting to be a journalist. I don't think you're defined by your degree. I think, I don't think you, and I think, I think that applies to all walks of life, not just journalism. Like, if you really want to do something, you really want to make that your career, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll put in the hard hours. You'll do, you know, all the sleepless nights and everything like that, blood, sweat, and tears, quite literally, to carve out a niche for yourself and something that you actually want to do. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with with Tom that it is very much about you know when one door closes, another one will open, and you will eventually end up doing what you want. You just got to keep bashing, keep trying, and eventually people will start listening. So you mentioned finding finding your, your own niche just there. So do you think boxing and MMA is the niche, or it's just the your contacting and your networking ability that is in the niche like if you were tomorrow to suddenly be a rugby fan would you think you'd be able to use the same skills in building that rugby network or is there something specific to boxing and mma that you that you needed to, to get in there 
I think um, I think I probably could apply both. I think I think purely because I wouldn't. I mean, if you look at me, you wouldn't think, oh, he's a massive hardcore MMA boxing fan, right? But it's stereotypically, of course. But I mean, um, you're not stood up, Tom. You could be seven feet yeah, tall. Exactly. I could be, you know, ripped to shreds. No, I'm joking. Um, I think that does kind of play into my advantage a little bit because I'm not trying. I'm not because I almost can't relate to these guys who are stepping in the ring. That makes me want to learn a bit more about it and have that kind of understanding and learn the raw aspects of the sport. Like I love nothing more than you know going to an MMA gym and watching these guys roll on the mats or you know kick the bags or stand and do ridiculous like drilling techniques like any of the one championship stuff. I, I love that. I find that so fascinating because it's something that I almost is almost alien to me. I think, but I think I think it is. I think having transferable skills, especially in journalism, I think networking is just something you're either good at it or you're not. And I think if you want to be a good journalist, you've got to be good at talking to people and you've got to be good at approaching other people and getting their opinions, getting their advice, getting their you know takes on the latest trending news or whatever. Um, so I do think it's quite transferable. But for me, I don't think I'd ever... I, I can't envisage a world where I'm not covering boxing and MMA. So it's kind of hard for me to think, right. Because I do dabble. I do occasionally do you know, like NFL, like interviewing NFL stars and things like that. But I only do it because I love the conversation. If I have to cover a sport... Of course, I'll be covering fight sports because it's just, you know, it's my thing. <laughs> That's great. That's, uh, you know, that you've got your passion and you're, you've got that as an output. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit. You, you talked about kind of uh, how you learn you know, as much as you could about the sport, whether it's trying to immerse yourself in the gym with them or... I think for me, that was something that, that stood out for me. I mean, I, I went to MotoGP knowing very little about motorbikes. I went to, I'm now at Barca and okay, I knew quite a bit about football because probably no more than the average person. Um, certainly, you know, nothing amazing about Barca. So I had to, I had to sort of dedicate time to learning about these sports, learning about these people, learning about the history. And there's a lot there. Once you start scratching the surface of, of any sport or any athlete or any team, there's, there's an awful lot there. Do you think there's something, and I'm, I'm maybe framing this with like MMA is a long way from history and politics, in an, in an ability to learn, because I know that I'm, I'm a good learner. I know I can sit myself down with a stack of books or resources about any given topic and, and completely immerse myself in it and absorb it. Is there anything that kind of you do in your preparation? You, you said you prepared for this podcast, you know, it's, I think preparation is a huge thing in, in this world. Uh, is there anything that kind of you do in terms of learning and preparing for, for this kind of uh, the work that you do? So I'm quite, I, I'll tackle this two ways. I'm quite lucky in the sense that, again, an, 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 uh, it's almost from the journalism point of view, I have a, a couple of decent mentors or really, really great mentors, actually, who I can you know, go to for advice in terms of, maybe how to approach a subject or how to interview someone who maybe I'm particularly, you know, a bit cautious of. Um, so I think that's really, really invaluable, invaluable. But when you're, when, when I'm talking about MMA, I, yeah, I think you, when, when you're covering a sport that is so technical and there's so many different elements of it, like you just mentioned MotoGP and, you know, F1 and things like that. I really do think you have to like, you know, go to an, a, a local garage or whatever and, you know, immerse yourself in finding out the components of a car in much the same way you do with a fighter. Like if I'm trying to study a fighter, I will, I mean, give you an example, Josh Taylor, going to Josh Taylor's gym, watching how Josh Taylor trains, the little Richard Riakpour, he trains in Loughborough, going to Loughborough, looking at how he trains with, you know, 
and Angel Fernandez and whatever, seeing how they use the, the, the different fine tuning techniques to perfect the sweet science. That's what I love. Like I love the, the technicalities of it all, the little, and each boxer and each fighter is completely different from everyone else. They all say they're not, they all say, you know, we'd come from the same gym, but every, everyone has their own different mannerisms. And I love that. I mean, Anderson Silva is still fighting now and he's doing like things that are completely different to what everyone else is doing. It, and I just, I, I love, I love seeing these fighters in the environment, say at a big gym, like Sanford or something. And they're all completely different, doing completely different things, completely different techniques. But ultimately, they are the same people. They come from, you know, maybe similar backgrounds. They're, they all have the same burning ambition to be the best, to be the, the, the top of their sport. And that's something that I, I just, I love. I, I, I love understanding not only how they do it, but why they're doing it, who they're doing it for. Maybe that, you know, a lot of it is often involved with family. And I love that personal element. I love the almost the sacrifice they have to make every day because at the end of the day it's fight sports you don't know in what shape you're going to leave the sport but it, it, it's why they put their body, bodies on the line that for me fascinates me the most sorry that got really really dark <laughs> yeah no, it's, no uh, that's... It's, it's good we're recording we're recording late at night so maybe we're more into <laughs> that that mood than if we'd been recording recording it in the morning so it's really really interesting examples you gave about what added value can be given <clears throat> from going to the gyms? Because even if you aren't writing a story directly from the gym, you're learning more. You're building your own knowledge for for the future. Um, so, how long did the pandemic last in that sort of thing? For how, how long were you kept out of the gyms, or, or were you somehow been giving video tours of uh, of the gyms? So, funny story. Here we go. The first of many. Um, how long was it? It was so. I'm sure you, you boys, maybe Jamie in particular, are aware of a, a certain fighter called Ian Gary, um, who just made his debut in the UFC. He's been widely compared to Conor McGregor, um, a certain Mr. Notorious, for very good reason as well, because he's a bloody damn good fighter. But anyway, um, I messaged um, his lovely manager, Layla, saying, I would love to interview Ian. You know, got the great platform to showcase his wonderful abilities. Um, <laughs> and I didn't realize that he was actually in Florida at the time. So it was like, must have been about 10 o'clock at night which isn't particularly late but it, it was a bit late anyway cut on story short he was running a little late so it got to about 11 and i'm sat there on the zoom call um anyway ian gary shows up i'm thinking okay you don't look like you're in you know your house in the island where are you um turns out he's actually in sanford mma which is this amazing superstar like premier league level mma gym and he decides to randomly give me a guided tour um of the hot like just literally picks up his laptop and just you know carries this iMac around going, oh yeah, this is, you know, Henry Hoof, here's Anthony Rumble Johnson. Henry Hoof's coming on this call going, oh, hello, nice to meet you, all that kind of thing. Uh, I think Gilbert Burns was rolling on the mats, like all these like amazing high-level fighters. Um, but it was just so spontaneous. And it was, it, it, it kind of, for me, I, I mean, I, funny you should say about being out of the gym, I have been out of the gym, well, since, since January. We weren't allowed in, uh, well, I wasn't allowed in MMA or boxing gyms till, what about, may june something like that um when the gyms reopened of course um and even then access was so tight because you know covid's still a thing boxers aren't you know don't want to pop positive for in case that that jeopardizes their big fight and whatever so it was really really tough but the beauty of zoom was as as we're doing right now you can you know 
jump on a call and, and chat to anyone. But it was just, it was so, what I loved about the, the interview with Ian was just, it was so natural. Like it wasn't staged at all. It was just, you know, this guy picking up his laptop and showing me all these, these amazing fighters just doing their thing. It was, it was a whole new experience for me, especially because, I mean, he's on the other side of the world. Like I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, the dodgy connection or the dodgy, you know, pixels or whatever. It was just, it was so raw and authentic that in a weird way, I'm kind of glad that I actually wasn't there with him because he kind of, he gave me even more insights. Like they have this drink. So another thing, they have this drinks counter um, on the side of the, like the bar or the little rest area. Um, and it's always empty because apparently it's like the nicest drink in like the whole of Florida or whatever. And they always get like restocked and everything, but it vanishes within like an hour. So Ian goes over to this cabinet going, oh, I'm going to show, oh, it's not there anymore. It's all gone. And then like five or six other fighters come in, you know, looking for this nectar of the gods and it's not even there either. <laughs> so, but I just, I love that. I love, that's what you get a lot with, with boxing and MMA gyms as well. There is this real brotherhood and this kind of, I mean, they're probably, some of them might even fight each other at the end of the day and, you know, in the UFC or in Bellas or whatever, but they're all bonded by this, this tribalistic nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's really, it, it, it's something that you just, kind of i think a lot with like if i I was saying this to someone the other day a lot maybe i'm talking a bit out of turn here but maybe a lot of footballers you know because of the money incentive and everything not most they're not necessarily attached to a club in the same way as a fighter is maybe attached to a gym because of the the fact that you know these guys are like literally punching each other in the face every day getting up doing the same thing rinse and repeat and the money maybe isn't at the same kind of level as you know maybe like a and Marcus Rashford or something like that. They're not earning that kind of wage. But they're all fighting to earn Mayweather money. So it, it's kind of, I think it, it really does build this kind of unspeakable bond between them, which is just, I mean, every every time I go into a gym, I'm just fascinated by all the little relationships and all the little the pointers, you know, that coaches are giving out going, oh, hang on a second. There's this, even just the, the other day, a coach was saying, oh, this, this young prospect here, he's been training with Richard Comey in Ghana. He's now come back over to the UK um he like he's one to watch out for all those little nuggets of information are just so so invaluable for what I do and I guess that's why I love it so much because I'm just always constantly learning on the job yeah there's a sort a certain sort of uh, relationship that you build when you're trying to kill each other every day I guess <laughs> couldn't put it better myself yes <laughs> No, I mean, certainly, you know, I, I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at a very amateur level, you know, like once or twice a week at best. And and but you do form very strong bonds with people that are, are trying to choke you to, to death. <laughs> it, it happens. Um, now, it's an interesting point about about COVID. And you said, you know, you were in the office for a couple of weeks and then the pandemic happened. And and, you know, like like you and everybody else, I've been working remotely. And and there's something interesting about that in the sense that that we're kind of reporting on or narrating these things that happen, but we're not doing it with our own eyes. And for me, I noticed the difference when we were allowed back in, in, I've not commentated in the Cam No, but I was commentated in the Johan Cruyff stadium where the women's team play. And, and there's something different about being there and, and, and living the experience that, that you don't get remotely. But then your story is quite interesting because on the other side of it, you, you had this experience that you probably wouldn't have had if you'd have turned up, uh, you know, with your your microphone and your notepad in the gym, they're probably like, ah, oh, yeah, sit in the corner there and and don't talk to anyone. You know, it's so so it's it's got I guess two sides to the coin there. It's it's quite nice a nice well, anecdote pro- that. There's probably an even better example. So I mentioned him earlier, Anderson Silva, um, and this this was early. This was like within the first couple of months of me, you know, taking on this new role. Um, 
again, this is something that I'm going off on a tangent, but another another thing that's so important is, you know, with your contacts book, PR, build a good relationship with PR agencies, build a good relationship with PR representatives, and your life will be so much easier. In whatever you're covering in journalism, it just, just make sure you get on well with the PR teams. <laughs> and it turns out, thankfully, that I, I get on really well. And it also helps, you know, when they're trying to help you out as well. Um, I mean, I've got to give a massive shout out to Jen Wenk because without her, none of this would have been possible. But um, I got randomly got this email saying, would you like to interview Anderson Silver? Um, me immediately goes, well, 100%. I'm not going to turn down an opportunity to interview the GOAT. Like, it just kind of, he never really does UK media either. So it was kind of a bit of a one-off. Um, and I just speculatively replied going, oh, yes, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Basically, when? In the next five minutes? <laughs> um, and it turned out that it was it was actually on that day. And I, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll probably get 10 minutes with him. Um, no, I ended up having two hours just sat talking to the great Anderson Silver, me literally in my bedroom, um, sat in the Juventus top with a baseball cap on backwards because it was at the time when the barbers weren't open and we had terrible trims and all that kind of thing. So... I was trying to cover up what <laughs> what I could, but um, there was just, it, as you say, it's an experience that I probably wouldn't have had if I'd been in the States because he's, you know, he's got hundreds of PR people around him going, right, you've got to talk to ESPN and whatever. And obviously we're a big outlet in Gibby Sport, but I understand, you know, sometimes access can be restrictive. And it was also at a time when he just left the UFC. So this is before, it was before his, fight, his boxing match, his first boxing match, um, or should I say third, but, you know, his, his more recent one, his comeback fight. Um, and I just could not believe that he'd given me so much time. And he was just so polite and so understanding that it kind of, it made my life so much easier as well. Um, and then I interviewed him again because he enjoyed the interview so much. So again, it's just so important to build, you know, relationships with these fighters. And and uh, yeah, just a massive, massive thank you to Jen and Anderson for giving me the time of day, really, because, I mean, they wanted to know that I was, you know, just this little kid in, in Chichester, <laughs> interviewing interviewing the greats or one of the greats. Um, but no, it is. I, I always say that Zoom is both a blessing and a curse because you don't get that. You know, there's something different being in the same room as someone. But in that case, when you know he's fighting in LA, and I probably wouldn't have got a, a flight to LA just to interview him. It was really, really amazing. And I, I, I sometimes pinch myself thinking, did it really happen? Because again, at the end of the day, I'm a fan. I think that's something that's so important as well. You kind of, uh, maybe you can relate to this as well, Jamie. You, when you're covering a sport, if you're a fan of that sport or if you're a fan of that team or if, you're, or if you enjoy that team or if you, if you enjoy that fighter, it makes it so much easier to cover because you're almost writing from, from the heart. You're writing from something that, from a place that you kind of, you can relate to. And it, I don't mean relate to in the sense that I can relate to, you know, Hanson Silva front kicking Vitor Belfort on the face. But I can relate to the fact that, you know, I've watched his highlight reel. I've pretty much watched all his fights since probably about 2015. So it it, it, it did feel a bit a bit more special because I'm meeting one of these guys who, at the end of the day, is one of my heroes, and it was just it was just incredible to me. Um, but it really, yeah, it's really important to build these relationships, and it is really important to you know enjoy it whilst you're doing it because at the end of the day, you're going to retire at some point, and when you look back on all these memories, you'll have this massive catalog to look back on. And I think that's something that's really important as well. It's not it's not I mean money's great and everything but experiences last so much longer like i mean some of the experiences i've had in the past like three months going to boxing shows going to mma shows bellator london all that kind of stuff it's things i remember for the rest of my life in the middle of a pandemic when everything is i mean the world has just gone crazy we've got you know 
all these restrictions and everything and I'm getting the chance to interview, you know, Anderson Silver in my bedroom. It just it is utterly, utterly bizarre, but I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yes, this is more of a, a question to both of you. Um, so I'm putting on my hat of, of the, the listener. So you said you're such a big Anderson Silver fan. You're interviewing him in bed. And Jamie, I saw you you met Danny Alves last week. Do you do you get nervous or are you so professional that you can put the fanboy to one side and and do the job or what's the ratio between nerves excitement and professionalism would you say yeah to you, um, you. Yeah, jamie you go first, you go first, jamie, you go first. <laughs> okay um it depends like there's an element of it that's kind of like you're there to get a job done i think is you know and i and i met i met pedri earlier this week as well which I, for me was kind of more exciting than meeting danny alves because I mean, Danny Alves is huge, but but Pedri's kind of upcoming. It's quite exciting where he's at. And I was like, what's this this 18-year-old going to be like, you know? Um, but I think, you know, you go into it. First and foremost, it's like, you know, there's an interaction, a, a transaction that has to take place. And he knows that, and I know that. And, you know, the, the, the quicker you can kind of smoothen that over with a bit of, of preamble chat and then get it done with in the, in the best way possible, I, I think that helps everyone. And then after that, you get the opportunity to kind of be the fanboy and, <laughs> and say, oh, can I have a stick, have a picture with you? You know, <laughs> um, in my opinion, that's that's the kind of of the way I've 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 known that like I think Danny Alves is probably one of the more famous people I've met, actually. But I've met a handful of famous people and at no point have I felt kind of nervous. But I have come like I have felt the pressure of having to get the job done that I need to get done with this person and that they have a kind of a positive experience of it as well, because. Because I think, you know, you never know when you have to meet them again. It's Tom, so important, your, it, no, it's so important to make a, a met, good impression. I mean, from Anderson like, Silva's a huge name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so important to make a good impression because, as you say, and it's amazing in our industry, the amount of people who know each other. And bad news travels just as fast as good news. So you got to make sure, you know, you get off on the right footing. Um, Danny Alves, though, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so cool but no it yeah you've got to kind of I, I think they know at the end of the day and I, I don't mean that in like a, oh you're a fanboy or whatever but I think they know you know you appreciate them and you, you enjoy what they've done in their career and all that kind of thing and that's totally fine by the way like I don't I don't really understand this whole like stiff upper lip like snooty approach to me that's not and and I always find that I have a much better experience when you know the fighter or the the athlete kind of understands where you're coming from when you're making it a bit more lighthearted, a bit more jovial. Um, I always try to cover positive news, I guess, is probably the best way of putting it, which in MMA, I'll tell you, it's bloody difficult. <laughs> uh, but I do always try, you know, when I'm interviewing someone, at least put it, put a positive spin on things and, and, and try and just make it easier for them because at the end of the day, they have to do however many hours of media. And it, it almost always it's important not to be selfish because you've got to realize you know these guys are doing like 20 30 hours a week talking to people like us and i think it's always important to make it as easy as possible for them so that when they go on to the next one they're they're feeling in a bit of a good mood especially when if you're you know you're on availables and it's you know one every 10 minutes and you're just one of number 50 or whatever it's just really important to kind of take a bit of a step back and and let them or, or reassure them in a way that you know i'm just here to get some quotes from you that aren't you know maybe a bit inflammatory or whatever um 
and and just tell your story. I feel like that's so important. Telling people's story in the right way, rather than trying to get an agenda. Or, if you go into, I feel like if you go into an interview with them, maybe I'm talking rubbish, but if you go into an interview with an, uh, an agenda and you want to get something out of it, and guarantee you, you're probably not going to get as much content. Like I, I say about preparation. When I go into an interview, I've got like the general idea of what I want to ask, but I never, I never have like a, a concrete list of questions or right. I'm going to get this angle out of this person. Because it ends up when you have a conversation with someone, it actually you, you tend to get far more information out of them than you know when you essentially ter- interrogate them and have them over a barrel. Like it's, it's completely, completely different, um, especially with boxers, because if they are they're not necessarily media trained, so in a way that makes your life even harder because you're not going to get you know your standard replies of oh yeah I'm going to you know bingo him in the first round or whatever. You're you're going to get something which is just a bit more raw and a bit more honest, but also it makes the barriers even harder to, to break down because at the end of the day, they think, you know, you're going to write a tabloidy headline or whatever about, and maybe something will get misconstrued. I think that's so important to, I always, I, with my interviews I, or with my writing, I always try and write it in an emotive way. So if a, if a, a box is feeling happy, I kind of try and get that tone to show through the piece. Um, I wrote one the other day, Richard Reactpool and what I love about Richard is he's just so cool, calm, and collected. And it, it, it sounds so cliche, but every fight week, everyone else is rushing around doing all these different things. You know, you've got lighting here, camera here, all boxing promoters flapping and all that kind of thing. But the guy who's the main event, who's got all the pressure on him, is literally like a sea of calm. He walks into the room and everyone's just like, he's just come out of a nap or something. It's just completely real. And I, I, I love that. I love that authenticity and i think it's so so important because if you, if you do come at it with a with an angle you're probably actually killing an angle that you probably could have got if you made the conversation a bit more free and a bit more open um so i think being fluid as a journalist is so so important when you're when you're speaking to someone because don't don't go in there thinking all right i've got to get that headline out of them because you might actually be restricting yourself from a headline that you could actually get if you approached it from a different a, a different way that you might not even be thinking of at that moment in time until five seconds before you start chatting yeah so just, it's just uh, on you go jamie no we, 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 warm, <laughs> we didn't, didn't interrupt each other for a few weeks so back to back to the old standard <laughs> well no i just wanted to give a, a from from my uh, sort of experience the, the uh, kind of context to people that might be listening that that this does happen people go to do interviews journalists or producers or whoever with like the documentary already made and it's like i need this person to talk about x and i need him to say you know it's basically already scripted what i you know and the questions are phrased in such a way that it's like i have to get them to say this in this way because i've got the rest of the video like it happens it happens it happens and and i think that for me surprised me perhaps when i got into this world a little bit because i didn't think that happened and i thought you know everything was kind of like uh you know how you look at doc you watch a documentary and everything kind of like unfolds and the the guy that's like presenting the documentary is like oh wow we found this person it's like no it's all scripted (laughs) and and so it does happen that that these media events you know people use two of their three questions trying to get a specific soundbite that that they've basically already pre-scripted and then the third question will just be some throwaway you know how do you how are you looking forward to the match or how you're looking forward to the fight or whatever um so, so that's quite interesting, you know, that you kind of, you, you take a bit more of um, a personal approach, approach to it maybe and, and, and try and get, I've got a question to follow up, but if you want to go Stuart with, with what you know, what, what I was just going to, going to say <laughs> is that um, what your, the interviews you've been talking about, these, these personal sort of agenda free interviews what format do they 
end up? Are you are these video interviews that you uh, upload as videos, or are these all? I saw on your your LinkedIn you're writing twelve stories a day sometimes. So are you breaking up the interviews into the twelve different stories, or what, what's the the out the output from from these two hour sit downs with with fighters? That's a really good question, and I would say it completely varies depending on what kind of mood the fighters in. <laughs> um, no, it, it it I do tend I tend to do a my, my general rule of thumb is I'll do a long form feature. So I don't know, a thousand words maybe. And I'll do a couple of spin-off interviews, which are just what I like to call the the trimmings of the roast dinner, the bits that I can cobble together and get some sort of theme out of them. Um, but yeah, a lot, as, and then I'll put them out on the website and they'll go to our Facebook page and whatever. And then we'll also have, you know, some video interviews that go out on the Instagram and some, maybe someone go on TikTok, depending on what kind of things I can get. But I, yeah, I don't try and don't try and tailor the interview to the kind of to a specific format because most of my interviews are done on Zoom. So theoretically, I can kind of turn them to whatever I want. I could turn them into a podcast. I could turn them into an article. And I think that is really important actually. Try and get as much out of that content as possible. Like there, there are some interviews I've done that are like months old, which I've actually thought, oh, hang on, something that you said there or something that she said there could be quite relevant to what's happening at the weekend or. And just stitching that two together and making that connection. It's about, it is about thinking on your feet and thinking, right, maybe I've got targets to hit. Maybe I've got, you know, an, an event coming up. How can I get the best out of that specific bit of content? Because a lot of the time, if you're going through your archive, you've probably got gold sitting in there that you haven't even really thought about. So some, I, I do quite enjoy going back and listening to some of the old interviews thinking, good God, I was terrible back then. So probably I'll do the same with this interview in like, you know, <laughs> in like a year or so <laughs> when I've done more podcasts, but no, probably not. I'm really, really enjoying myself. But yeah, I think that's the thing. Like don't throw away anything because you never know when you might actually need it. And and and, and do try and I think, because again, I've taught myself to video edit. I've taught myself to like, you know, film cameras and all that kind of thing. I, a lot of my skills are self-taught and I think that's really important as well. Like, as a journalist you you've got to be able to do it all in this in this day and age, in this social media driven age you've got to be able to you know create even if you're not very good at it as long as you're like your basic skills are decent you'll be fine as, as long as it's passable. i always like to say as long as i'm passable in something that, that that's a good win <laughs> but it is so important to you know be well-rounded i think that and i think that applies to all walks of life you know be a well-rounded individual and it will make your opportunities and your avenues so much easier to get through because you never know where you could end up and that's the thing about journalism isn't it you could be covering you know football one day and then you could actually jump to people punching themselves in their face or punching each other in the face for a living themselves that'd be a weird weird sport that would be a thriller sport people would watch it people yeah would watch that, it. that's something thriller would put on 100 <laughs> percent you've given loads of advice already uh loads of loads of good tips for people that, that are looking to get into sport media people would dream of having your job you know i know people that are, are stuck in an office writing reports all day long and they'd love to be able to sit down and, and chat with these huge names do you think there's something about you because you sitting here we've having this great conversation I'm, I'm enjoying myself a lot you know this is the first time we've met really we've exchanged messages for for a while now but this is the first time we've really kind of had a conversation and I think you're very personable, very, you know, positive. And do you think there's something about you that has helped you get to where you are and, and do what you do? And is, is that something you've worked on? Gosh. Um, Sorry to... No, I hate to talking about, about myself. So it's kind of a weird, weird situation. Um, I think 
I think what maybe not necessarily sets me apart because that's so wrong, but something that I like to do a bit differently is whenever I'm and I'll apply it to interviews, first of all. Whenever I'm interviewing someone, and it's actually part of this project that I've got separately, which I'll probably talk about, I, I, I always try and make the interview like someone else could be doing it. So when I write it, it's almost like the reader's thinking, I could be that person, you know, talking to Michael Bisping, talking to Anderson Silva, talking to Israel Adesanya. And I, I, I think that kind of, that anonymity helps me in a way. Because, I mean, the readers seem to enjoy it, so that's great. But also, it, it means that when I'm writing it, it makes it so much more conversational. Um, and I, I do try to, you know, build a rapport with these fighters and build a rapport with their liaisons and, and the like, you know, the governing bodies and the UFC in particular. I've got a great relationship with the people at the at some of the, the, the brass at the UFC, and I, I think that's really important. Um, so I'm not really sure what I do differently, but I think. I think I just try to be me I, I, at the end of the day. And it's so cliche, but I am just, you know, as it says on the tin, I'm, I'm not a boxer. I'm not a fighter, but I don't pretend to be. I just want to understand why they're doing it. And I want to tell their stories in the right way. And that is the thing for me. I don't want to spin a narrative or, you know, sell something that I shouldn't be selling or a, construct a fake news type story or a clickbaity angle or anything like that because it's just not in my nature and I, I always used to be I, when I was younger my nickname used to be little judge because I always used to get annoyed with people who you know tell false lies and all that kind of thing I feel like that's always stuck true with me now um which maybe probably doesn't help with the job that I'm doing but when when you're like you know when you when you work in the media it it's really hard it's really important to build a character or build a persona but it's also equally important to make sure that it's as real as possible. And I like to say that I don't really have like a, I'm not an Ariel Helwani. I'm not a Gareth A. Davis. And I look up to those guys. And I, I think that's really important as well. I think you've got to have, you know, your inspirations. You've got to have people who can act as mentors. You've got to have these people who you can almost hope to emulate and hope to achieve the similar success. But it's also really important to create your own kind of character. Um, because at the end of the day as well, I think a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize is there's a difference between being a journalist and then there's a difference between being a personality. But it's equally, but you can actually be both. You can you can be a journalist and you can be a personality and you can, you know, almost play make-believe. And when you're interviewing someone, pretend to be something that you're not. And maybe that gives you a bit of security or whatever, I don't know. Um, but I don't try to do that. I just, you know, I'm just me. And love it or, or hate it I'm, I, I i can't see myself changing so i guess that's the thing i i, I do try to be approachable and, and personal and i just make i, I just really i want to make the fighters lives easier so why would i you know why would it be any different why would i why would i be hardline why would i throw an angle at them that they're not going to like when at the end of the day they're the ones who are, you know the face of the sport who've, who've got the access and all that because that's so important i think you without your contacts working without you know, access to these guys or girls, you, you, your chances are so limited. And, and and keeping that access door open is a lot harder, believe me, than it, but it, than it seems, especially when, you know, you've got promoters to please and PR liaisons to keep in, in, in line. It's it's really important to to just not try to piss anyone off. And I don't mean that in the sense that, you, I, that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't cover some of the, the, the hard hitting stuff and you can't 
but you you got to do it in a way that is impartial. I think impartiality is so so important, especially in fight sports. Like, like I I I really struggle to pick favorites, even when like you know British fighters are fighting. I really struggle to, and that's not saying that I don't support the Brit because obviously you know in your heart you're always going to support the Brit, but like or at least I am. But I really really try and stay as impartial as possible, especially when you know you're interviewing one opponent one week or one day and you're interviewing the other guy or the other girl the, the next day, it, it, it does get very, very tricky, especially if, you know, you're actually closer to one fighter or whatever it is, but it is really, really important to, to keep that journalistic integrity and to stay as impartial as possible because you never know when it's going to bite you on the ass. So don't put all your eggs in one basket is what I'm saying, basically. <laughs> so that's finally your, your politics degree coming coming in, in, in use. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just a wolf in sheep's clothing. Who knows? <laughs> So yes, but we certainly learned a lot already from you so far, Tom. It's been really, really great having you on. Um, so again, networking has been been a theme of. We've had a few few guests already talk about it. So I think I asked asked Tom whether it was like Tinder. Did you have a classic opening line for, for networking? Do you have 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 something, or is it just as you've been saying? Do you go in there, meet somebody, be yourself, and and, and see see where where it takes you? So what I like to do is, especially if I like, if I actually like that person's, you know, content or if they're a boxer for that stuff or whatever, I always try and go, oh, it was really cool when you did so and so. So when I, when I actually, actually no, this is this is an even better story. So when I introduced myself, it was when I first met Gareth A. Davies for the first time in the great Gareth A. Davies of Dogsport, Alberta, London. Um, I kind of got the dress code a bit wrong. It's probably the best way of putting it. Uh, so I didn't realize that it wasn't, you know, uh, my visage, when I first got into journalism, I had this great, wonderful vision of, you know, Fleet Street clutching a, like a hundred papers, satchel over your shoulder, running down the tube, um, hair all over the place. So maybe nothing's changed there, but you know, scatterbrain. little press tag in your hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tweed suit and everything. So I got myself a tweed suit. Uh, and I turned up to I turned up to Bellator in this you know lovely grey country suit. Uh, as you, I live literally in the country, so it's quite normal for me. But um, yeah, everyone else was in you know hoodies and everything like that. So I stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, but Gareth Davis liked it, so there was my angle. I went, ah, oh, I'm glad you like my dress. And it, we had we had a great conversation about ties and suits and all that kind of thing. And then just started picking his brains a bit. Um, so that's how I usually approach journalists. It's either you know I dress like an idiot or I um, you know. I, I like their their article. I mean, even with Jamie, the the way me and Jamie started talking, because I really enjoyed Jamie's translation for the Lionel Messi press conference, especially when you know, I happened to be covering it on that day. So there's an example for you. It's really important to, and I, it's not ego stroking, but you've got to have a common, you know, a theme or something that, like, and, and it, it is admiration. A lot of the time, you, you do enjoy that piece, or you do enjoy that that bit of content, or you enjoy the way the fighter approaches his fights or something like there's got to be that angle or because without that, how do you get the conversation going? I mean, again, maybe you do have like a funny Tinder one liner or something, which is amazing, by the way, maybe I should probably work on that. But yeah, you've got to have that kind of hook or which I guess is the same with your articles. You've got to have that lead. You've got to have that, that thing that makes people want to click and LinkedIn, especially, I mean, you do get a lot of LinkedIn DMS, which is just very copy and paste. And, and maybe that's, probably the the wrong approach but especially with social media you you're probably getting hundreds of messages a day so you got to try and personalize it and, and having said that even if someone does copy and paste a message to me 
I I can't help but you know have a little bit of a cheeky response. So it, it, there is that kind of engagement as well. Um, but it is very much about you know finding that hook and, and building up that and striking striking up a friendship with people. It's a, 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 in a in a day and age where everyone's so you know or I say everyone where, where social media has made society a bit more you know ruthless and and a, a bit have a bit more spite in itself. Um, it's really important to you know be friendly and. And, and nice to people that gets you a lot way that gets you a long way as well just buy someone a coffee or go for drinks with someone or jump on a zoom call with someone even if you know you don't really know where that conversation is going to lead it's amazing what happens from like the smallest you know smallest acorn you just don't know where that tree or that branch is going to go so uh, there's the um poetic analogy for you <laughs> No, no, that's great. And I, I, I think you're right. I think, well, I mean, you know, our little interaction that we had over the summer, I, I think I'd, when, when you mentioned that, I, I'd completely forgotten that that's how we connected. Um, but it worked both ways, you know. It was sort of like, oh, who's this guy? And I had a look, and I was like, oh, wow, he's, he interviewed Michael Bisping. Like, <laughs> like that's pretty cool. And I had a read of some of your articles. I was like, okay, you know, this could be, this could be an interesting contact. And then look at us now, you know, it's... Uh, we were going to go to an episode of our podcast together and, and, you know, Stuart and I had a similar, okay. We had a, a touch point from, we went to, to high school together. We weren't in the same, the same year, but, um, you know, we had a, a sort of a contact point there and, and we just got talking again and, and turned out we had a lot in common. It was like, oh, should we start a podcast? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Like you never know where these things are going to end up. And, and ultimately there's very little to lose. You know, you, you send a message to someone on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever, the worst that happens is they ignore you, right? Or, or maybe the worst that happens is they shoot you down and make you feel bad. <laughs> but, you know, big deal. Um, Asking for advice and, is so important as well. I feel like people don't, I feel like people, if I, I'm guilty of this, I, 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 at the start of my I was so afraid to ask for help because I thought that it would be a, I thought I'd be perceived negatively like, oh my God, you can't do your job properly. Like, what are you doing? Why are you asking for help? But, it actually kind of makes people trust you a bit more because it's like, oh wait, no, you're human as well. Everyone, everyone, everyone is afraid of something. And if you are, and in fact, I was saying to not name dropping, but I was speaking to John Fury the other day about, you know, Tyson. It's too late to say you're not name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm, there is, there is, a, there is a reason, there is a method in my madness. So I was speaking to John Fury briefly about, you know, this fight that's coming up and how Tyson came back from the dead against Deontay Wilder, and then, you know. Beat him up twice, like, and I, I, I was saying like how, you know, with all the, the struggles and the turmoil and the inner turmoil that, that Tyson went through, like how did you know he come through the other end? And he, he said, well, he just went and asked for help. And I think you can literally apply that principle to your work if you if you want to get better at something. I mean, it's like school, right? Like if you want to get better, you go. Well, not in my case because I didn't, but <laughs> and I did really didn't get better. But it, you do ask a teacher like for advice or for pointers and I think that's really important in journalism like if, if you find that mental figure and I'm lucky because I mean my boss Martin like I can go to him whenever and I really really I find that so invaluable um editors the two Robs and, and Alex Bat as well it's really important to have these kind this kind of little bubble around you which you can just bounce ideas off and I think that's actually something that maybe we were talking about Zoom earlier and you know talking over teams or whatever I think the thing that kind of not wounded me, but kind of got to me a bit more about, you know, being stuck at home all, all the time and not being in the office was not being able to bounce ideas off people. Because when you're on Slack and whatever, it's not the same as if you're in an office sat next to someone 
and you're writing an article and you're like, oh, I can't think of that hook or I can't think of that, that final paragraph. Like, how do I get that little bit of detail out? There's no soundboard. It's, it's, it, <laughs> text and computer screens are, are, are far less easy to deal with than actual people. So yeah, just ask for help. I, and I, I, I do say this. I really do. I really do mean this to a lot of people who, you know, maybe people who are in a similar position who came out of university didn't know what they were doing. Maybe people who, you know, come out of GCCs don't know what they're going to do before that, whatever. Like, just ask for help. If you want to do something, find someone who's doing what you're doing and ask them, right, how did they get into it? How did you get into doing what you do? Maybe you want to be a landscape gardener. How does that landscape gardener start doing what they're doing? And just ask them for tips and how to get better and how to perfect your craft because that's what we're doing. We're doing it constantly. I wouldn't say anyone is like, I mean, unless they're, in like you know they've won countless awards i don't think anyone's really truly believes they're the best or or their work is perfect i'm a constant perfectionist i'm like right i'm scrapping that that article's not going out that i've written i've spent hours writing this and then getting it subbed or whatever like that's that's really important Just the feedback getting feedback on anything is, is so so important but especially when it comes to your work like and especially in what we do because you know there's so many different holes you have to jump through all these legal issues and all the things you don't even think about when you when you first become a journalist. It's like, oh gosh, hang on, I'd better not put that out there in case I get sued for slander or what. Like all that kind of thing. It's 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 really important to have the people around you who you know who support you and, and can guide you in the right way, no matter where you are at in your career. I I I I, I do always say like if if anyone wants to reach out like from all walks of their careers or whatever, like my dms are always open i don't have any other social media other than linkedin but that's pretty much always open um or my email or whatever because again i understand how hard it is to break into an industry that is very very competitive and but at the end of the day a lot of people should be benefiting from it like it, it is fun what we do i mean we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't it is a really fun job and it's very very competitive which is probably why it's so you know perceived so negatively sometimes but when you're actually in it when you when when you're deeply involved there's nothing there really is nothing better than you know going to a football game and covering it or you know mm. it, watching Messi score a screamer at Camp Nou or something like it, it, it there's a, all these little moments of magic but you, you've also got to think about you know there'll be people down the line in in generations to come or whatever or even the same generation who maybe just need that little bit of extra help and you, you never know even like even a little bit of advice like, oh, you know, maybe you should be taking notes or something, or this is how you transcribe, you know, Otter's a great service, use that. Like all these little extra bits of, of detail, you just never know how much that's going to help someone. In fact, Otter, that's a funny one. I hadn't even heard of the thing. And now I literally, I don't ever not use it. So they should probably give me, actually, they should give me a um, sponsorship. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I need a promo code. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I think... Um having asked for advice and having been asked for advice, I think you'd be surprised how receptive people are and how willing people are. And certainly personally, I've received messages that say, hey, I'm this guy, I'm doing this, look at my work. And then I receive other messages that say, hi, I'm this guy, what do you think of my work? Or could you give me a bit of feedback on my work? I'm certainly more receptive to, to one than I am the other, you know? Um, so yeah, I think we heard it on this podcast before and I'm, I'm I'm sure we'll hear it again but I think it's a good moment to say you know do reach out to people people are receptive and um yeah Tom's offered I, I've offered several times I'm sure Stuart would be happy for you to get in touch with him as well 
um, and, and do do reach out. Yes, I guess maybe that's a, a joint lesson for today then from, from the three of us. If you want help, if you want to learn and guidance, just ask, just ask for it. Tom, I feel like this interview could go on for another hour. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure you've got like two dozen names that, that you want to drop still. <laughs> <laughs> is there, okay. before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you, you want to add? Sorry, Stuart, I'm talking over you again. <laughs> Um, now I was going to say that, yeah, when, when we were talking to Tom before, you, you joined Jamie before we, we went live. Um, Tom, you're telling us about your, your your trip next week. Maybe you can finish with that just to make people even more jealous about your job and even more determined to to follow your advice and hopefully get get to where you are in, in the next couple of years. Well, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, <laughs> I have the somewhat pleasure. I, I, I'm actually really, really excited. I'm going off to Florida um, from the 14th to 20th of December to cover a, a little known guy called Jake Paul and um and tommy fury in tampa bay i was saying to Stuart before we started recording i have no idea what an esther was until about 24 hours ago um so sort of all that kind of stuff was a a new experience for me um but yeah you can make sure that i'm not going to shamelessly plug our channels but you'll be able to find all the content and everything um filming it all right do, do plug tell us where we can find you and find yeah, your work um all the boxing mma stuff is usually by by me or or some of the other wonderful writers um and yeah i'll be doing like live blogs and interviews with all the names um i think i've even got access to the, to tommy's gym which will be really really exciting um and i can't wait because it's just again that's a whole new celebrity boxing showbiz boxing i'm not going to call it actual proper boxing because it's not but you know celebrity boxing is a thing it's it's, it's exciting um and it is quite quite funny with the way the pandemic's planned out that it's my first american fight who would have thought that J. Paul Tommy Fury would be my first American fight week? Certainly not me. <laughs> but I am very, very much looking forward to it. So, yeah, hopefully the content will be good for everyone to enjoy. Well, let's uh, let's take the opportunity to wrap it up then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks well, very much for your, for, your, for your time, Tom. It's been super, really, really interesting. Getting, I apologize. I realize I've rambled for like five, way too long. <laughs> no. I don't apologize at all because everything you've said has been absolutely great. There's been some some real treasure troves of advice in there. And uh, I can't wait to look back to it myself and, and, and we go over stuff. So, so yeah, no, thank you for sharing uh, so candidly everything that you kind of you've learned and, and, and any tips for people wanting to get into to this line of work in sport media. Sports Social Podcast Network.